Welcome to the Injury Report. I am your host, Joey Brenner, recording from Toledo, Ohio once again. It is Thursday, October 27th, and we are about 20 minutes from kickoff between the Ravens and the Buccaneers, so it is unlikely that this gets out on time. Ryan will not be joining us today. So I will be going over his picks. Last week he went a surprising 5-1 and one and upped his record to 17-13. and 13. He has in the college game, I think he's got more of a betting streak with his heart than his head this week because he's going against Notre Dame. So he's got Syracuse over Notre Dame by 2.5, Ohio State over Penn State by 15.5, and Ole Miss over A&M by minus two. So it's funny how, you know, he does tend to take a lot of favorites, but it makes sense in college just because there's such blowouts so often. I mean, there's the reason it's that close is because a lot of the time, like the 15 for Ohio State, they'll probably win by more than that. But they have to leave that room just in case because you don't want to give – a team an outrageous number like even when Ohio State was playing Toledo and they won or put up 70 I don't think they won by 70 but you know the line was like 35 and they almost doubled the win margin so it is interesting to look at those trends in college sports whereas uh, the largest spread he has in pro football is three and a half and we'll get to that here in a second another trend that I noticed or I've seen on Twitter from pro football betting is when you're choosing a team, the spread has like very few scores have fallen between the spread, the spread margin. So if the Jaguars are 10 point dogs, very few games have come where the Jaguars have not either won or been the they've been in that 10 point range so either they lose by more than 10 or they cut or they win there hasn't been very much just covering with still a loss so that's just a a fun thing to do where it makes that bet on the dogs a little bit better if you're just willing to take that money line risk you're going to get better odds and odds are if you're going to cover you're going to win as well just for the people out there to start off, we're going to go to just something, I, another thing I saw on Twitter. It's kind of fun. So Micah Adams 13 on Twitter, he is an NBA reporter, and one of the things he's been doing is every night he calls it the NBA king. So he started off with Steph Curry, and each game you can take the crown from someone else. And the way that works is you just have to win and then be the best player on the team in the win and you can't a teammate can't take it and you can't take it from a loss so it doesn't matter if you have a 40 point triple double and a loss you don't get the crown you have to win so Steph Curry had it to start and then it passed to Nikola Jokic who held on to it for a game and then Dame Lillard took it from him 
And then last night, Max Struess off the bench for the Heat took it from Dame. So that's kind of a fun thing I think I'm going to keep track of this year. I think it would be fun to do that with like quarterbacks or starting pitchers throughout the MLB or NFL season if you started from the start. And the reason he started with Steph is because he was the finals MVP. So he was the undisputed best player or king of the NBA, I guess. Maybe not best player, but king. So that's just a fun little thing that he's been doing. The World Series starts tomorrow, and it's the Phillies, and they will be going to Astro to take on the Astros, and that'll be a fun series. I think that most likely the Houston wins in six games, five or six games. I think Philly will have one magic game and one game where they just play better, but I think Houston's the better team, and I think a lot of the betting and stuff like that is just from spite against the Astros right now and not really people looking about what they actually think. And then the last thing I was going to talk to Ryan about because I was in a text chain with him and some buddies and we were talking about Ohio State because uh, from the beginning of the season I've just said Stroud, the moment gets a little big for him sometimes. He's not a bad quarterback he makes a lot of great throws but he needs a cushion once he gets a cushion or some confidence he can do it it's just the moment gets big for him really quickly and he tends to kind of clench up so in the game against Iowa he started missing a lot of throws and not playing very well and my buddies this is the first time they've really conceded anything to me or conceded not conceded conceded anything to me on that front and I texted him, you know, I saw the score and I was like, don't worry guys, he's going to have 65, he's going to go 65% and 300 yards and four touchdowns. And I said that a little bit after halftime. So they just started the third quarter and his stats were not, you know, his completion percentage was way down uh, as well as some other, you know, he didn't look close yet. And at the end of the game, he was 66% for 286 yards and four touchdowns. So I'm going to pat myself on the back for that because that's just, I've watched enough Ohio State football to know how that goes, especially when they play an inferior opponent. They get that first half. They're traditionally, they play very poorly. That This team and the Ryan Day Ohio State Buckeyes haven't really been doing that. And they might just be that much more talented because I still think they have the best roster in college football. But that's not... Uh, that's just their MO. It's, they're not going to lose those games. They usually won't lose those games. I'd be more worried if they came out to an early lead and let someone back in because that's not a, a Buckeye move. And then Ryan's picks for the NFL will start with Miami is favored by 3.5 over Detroit, and he is taking Miami, who does not have any new injuries. And they actually announced that Jamison Williams, who they took out of Alabama, the really, really fast wide receiver, is going to be out for at least another month. So that's very cautious with him. I guess it makes sense not to start a new career on a bad note and rush him back, especially in a season that isn't going the way they had hoped so far. But it is a very cautious approach right now from them. And Amon Ra St. Brown, is he passed protocol in the game last week where he got hit in the head and he still had to sit out because someone thought he had a concussion. So one of the spotters and it'll be interesting as we go, what these new rules do Uh, a lot of players or a lot of people who don't like football and want that to kind of be phased out, especially in youth sports, 
use these the concussion rates, the rate of concussion, how many you know players per game or snaps per player before you get a concussion. And you're only adding fuel to the fire by making it such a tightly regulated thing right now. Uh, I think it's an overreaction and it'll probably write the course eventually. But, I mean, pulling a guy just because of a little bit of a wobble here and there. And, you know, what is a wobble? You know, that's the one thing right now. What the, I mean, how many concussions have these spotters seen that they would know? There's just a lot that's up in the air. And I think it's going to decrease the quality of the game because Amon Ross St. Brown's a big player. It's coming up all over the place. Now, this is the first season that I've really paid attention to across the board injuries as much and not just fantasy but there are a lot of guys who are just missing practice here and there for concussions and you know how many of them are concussions and how many of them are called concussions guys play with torn muscles all the time until they're actually can't do it anymore and that's not a good thing but it's one of those things that they still feel and and it's not the same I know it's not the same at all but it's a much more apparent injury that they play through and have the licensing to do so. So I'm just I'm interested to see where this kind of goes on that front. I kind of do agree with Ryan's pick, though. I think Miami will be able to take care of Detroit, even though they tend to be a little ornery. New York is going to or going to host the Patriots, and Ryan is taking the Jets plus two. I think that's another good move right now. The Jets are hot. And the Patriots just announced that Mac Jones will be their quarterback again. Who knows what his confidence is like. Bailey Zappi came into the game well, and he started to underperform. Uh, New, New England does not have any new injuries to speak of other than their pride getting beat on Monday night against the Bears. That was a tough break for me. I was down one of my fantasy leagues by three points, so I needed the Nick Folk, the kicker of the Patriots, to get me one field goal. And he had two extra points by halftime in a relatively close game, and they got shut out in the second half. So I lost by less than half a point, and he was the only kicker that suited up that week that did not score at least three points. So that was a rough one for me, and I'm a little upset with Mac Jones and company. Uh, the Jets have quite a bit of injuries uh, notable injuries. Brees Hall tore his ACL, the young running back, planted going to the left sideline. And it's pretty apparent to see that his knee goes out and up, and that's just right there. That's what happens for a torn ACL. And that's, I just, I'm curious to see, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, he'll be fine and he's got enough time to come back for next season. I mean, J.K. Dobbins and Saquon Barkley are recent guys that have had a long time to come back, and it, it took Saquon a whole season, really, to get his legs about him, and J.K.'s not the same. The last guy to really do it was Adrian Peterson, and he was he was just a special athlete in more than one way. So I think that that is a bummer for him. Now they have Michael Carter from North Carolina to back him up, and they just traded for... They gave a sixth-round pick for my boy James Robinson for the Jaguars, which that was tough news. He also kind of screwed me. He didn't get any points in that same league. So, but I'll and the Jaguars lost, so I'm not happy with them at all. But that's a different story. And then Vera Tucker 
the guard for the Jets. He actually tore his triceps, which that's a fun injury. It's a really rare one. It's not very common. The sheath of fascia, the connective tissue, and the tendon for the triceps are pretty strong. And there's a lot of support because you have the three different heads of the muscle that kind of run together and attach on your ulna. So that's right around where your funny bone is. It pulls up on that to extend your arm. And when that is torn, again, you can look this up, just torn triceps or triceps surgery, triceps tendon surgery. It's pretty gnarly. I mean, the pictures that I saw, there is a lot of threading to kind of tie that whole thing back together. When a tendon is torn, it's not, or ruptured, either way, it's not really a clean thing. It's a lot of threads. It's almost like if you cut a a shoelace in half with kids scissors that do the funny lines and then it also was really frayed so that's where there's just a lot of threads kind of going elsewhere all over the place and there's just a lot of you know minor sutures that kind of hold little strands together and then bigger and bigger and then the other thing they do is find a way to anchor it to the new the elbow again so it's not usually like the whole thing kind of peels off, so they have to re-anchor it like they do an ACL or something. They'll kind of scrape the old spot away where it used to attach and put their own attachment on there. So it's, it's a pretty major surgery. It is season ending, and he's going to have to go from a sling for a couple weeks to a brace where they'll each, you know, every couple weeks, he's going to slowly be able to move that arm, get a better range of motion with it, and then eventually he'll be able to go into rehab again. Uh, that is just a its a crucial joint for an offensive lineman. So I will be interested to see how his injury progresses and wishing him the best of luck. And then finally, Ryan's last pick is Tennessee by two over Houston. Now, this is an interesting line. I think that that is... A, you know, Houston's a feisty team. I would stay away from this game. I don't really have a feeling either way. Houston is a feisty team. They're going to be without wide receiver Nico Collins, who pulled his groin. But other than that, they're pretty healthy. And, you know, they're still pro players. And they showed it against the Jaguars that even though their offense isn't great, they have Damian Pierce, who runs hard. And who knows? You just need one or two big plays. And then for the Titans, Ryan Tannehill has an ankle injury. So he's questionable right now. My thoughts would be, while you have an excuse, let Malik Willis get out there. Let's see what he's got. If I don't think you know, you're not hiding him to trade him. You don't. You want to show what he is. Let him get some snaps. I know it's a divisional game, so it's a big deal. But also, it's a very bad division. I think, unfortunately, right now the Titans have shown they're just the best team in that division. So I think let Malik Willis play. Let him show what's going on, and you know if this is they're not going to have a better opponent probably to play against this year. So, uh, one injury note for a team that is not playing this week is the Panthers, who J.C. Jackson ruptured his patellar tendon. So remember, it's actually a patellar ligament because. It goes from bone to bone, and that is right below your kneecap attaching to your tibia. 
we've talked about that and again there's some pretty good videos out there for if you want to watch a reconstruction Baltimore is taking on Tampa Bay tonight and we'll just see I'm going to throw my guess out there that I think Baltimore is going to win pretty good even though Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews I don't know if they've even started going yet but okay so I just took a break to check Twitter and Adam Schefter, I almost said Adam Sandler, just reported that both Rashad Bateman hit for his foot, Mark Andrews, who I was going to tell Ryan is a type 1 diabetic, who sprained his knee and his ankle, and then Gus Edwards, all are going to be playing tonight. They were game time decisions. And then for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, veteran safety Antoine Winfield Jr. is out with a concussion. I never saw the video for that, but that's just another player who's probably had a lot of head injuries he's a downfield safety that plays pretty downfield gets in the running backs faces right away that's another guy is he ruled concussed or was he concussed it's a fine line and I know it's better safe than sorry but I always just think they're getting paid to play football I mean I would let a lot of NFL running backs I would do my best to tackle them knowing that I probably would not I'm not a small dude but I'd do my best and I would do that for lots of money not and it wouldn't take as much as he's getting for sure Denver and Jacksonville then will lead off your weekend with a Sunday game at 9 30 across the pond you're welcome I've been telling you about this just sleep until noon, maybe 11:30, catch the end of the game, and you'll have to you'll get to miss the dumpster fire that is Jacksonville and also Denver. Jacksonville, but Trevor Lawrence is undefeated in six continents including Europe, so that's a trend to look out for and they are healthy, but I don't think I can defend them as far as being like a solid team that just isn't winning because they just find new and interesting ways to lose each and every week. So I'm just not going to do it anymore. They lost last week on literally the one-yard line against Daniel Jones and Giants, who Daniel Jones, I mean, they swallowed up Saquon Barkley, which is something a good team does, but they also let Daniel Jones lead the team in rushing, which is not something a good team does. So I'm done. And I'm going to say one more thing. Trevor Lawrence is probably the best quarterback in that division, and they probably, looking at it right now, they're going to have a hard time finishing above second in the division. It's infuriating. But Shaq Griffin has been ruled questionable for this week, so that might give our defense a boost if he's not going to be a liability out there. And then for Denver, Mr. Limited is dealing with a hamstring injury. So he's talking about all the things he just came out today with something that he doesn't get um, jet lag he doesn't get jet lag he does high knees and stuff in the plane while the plane's going get stays loose good for him uh, he gets yeah and he also I saw an article where he gets his poops down to he only poops twice a week right now he's trying to get it down to one and it's just wasted minutes if he poops every day and he also claimed that the extra fecal matter in his body helps him absorb contact so it's a it's a violent game i guess any cushioning you can get for your bowels i would be more worried about getting hit and releasing them 
Uh, I think, you know, that's happened a couple times around the league, guys. DK Metcalf was recently carted off with the same issue. But it's not a worry for Mr. Limited. The Raiders are going to the Saints. And right now, Jameis is cleared from his vertebral fracture. But the Red Rider, Andy Dalton, is still going to start this week. I did see that... Taysom Hill's projected fantasy points this week went up from 6.6 to 7.2 recently, so there had to be some sort of news on the front of their game plan and such. Jarvis Landry, ankle, and Micah Thomas' foot will be questionable for this week. Michael Thomas will probably be another week or two. And then uh, Jacobs and Renfro, Josh Jacobs and Hunter Renfro were limited this week for the Raiders and Devonte Adams was ill. He was sick and did not practice, but he should be able to play the red hot Chicago bears who are getting their wide receiver wide receiver. Byron Pringle back will be headed to Dallas this week to take on the Cowboys. Larry broom, who is their opposite tackle, who is opposite of Alex Leatherwood, who went down a couple weeks ago was ruled concussed. He's in the protocol right now, so that's going to be all very up in the air. It's tough to ever know who's going to really play. Not, you know, in Tua's case, he is concussed. But guys who enter the protocol right now, it's tough to know whether they're in the protocol because, again, they're concussed or whether they were asked to join the protocol. So he may be out, but that would be tough for Chicago to have be down two tackles against my favorite player in the NFL, Micah Parsons. Uh, he might not be a great guy, but I love watching him play football, and I think he's just going to be my favorite player for right now. And then for the Cowboys, Zeke has a grade 2 MCL sprain, so that's going to be four to six weeks. Remember, the MCL is on the inside of your knee, and that stabilizes that side. So if your foot goes out, that will sprain that joint. Uh, grade 2 is a minor, a little bit of tearing in there but nothing surgically because the MCL actually does get blood supply so it'll be able to repair itself unlike the ACL uh, guard Matt Famalik for the Cowboys is out with a hammy their tackle Matt Waltzko dislocated his shoulder so remember the head of your humerus your arm the upper part of your body it goes into your shoulder joint but if you really feel around in there there's not much bony structure to really fit in like you know your hip goes into the head or the head of your femur goes into that hip and there's almost a ball and joint it kind of covers most of that well it's not true of the shoulder it's actually three times the size of the joint so it allows for great mobility which is good for throwing and all the cool things that humans can do that a lot of other animals can't However, it also makes it very susceptible to injury, and he will most likely be out with that subluxation, which is what they call a dislocation. Dalton Schultz, he hurt his PCL, as did my former roommate and current um, Central Michigan Chippewa, Cole Johnson. He hurt his PCL our sophomore year in the Hall of Fame stadium against Malone, I believe. And he described it as he just took a step 
and it felt like his foot stayed still and his knee just kept going down. So just lost some stability there and he had to brace it up and it never really bothered him. So I know that tight end is a, especially a receiving tight end like Schultz is going to be a lot more of a mobile position than what Cole's doing. Not that he's not a great athlete himself, but it's just a different type of movement. So I'm curious to see if they'll just wrap him and let him go or I mean Cole was in quite a bit of pain he played through a lot of pain but he was able to play football is really what I am saying right now and his backup Jake Ferguson is healthy so that if he's been playing well so if Dak is back and you're comfortable with that maybe you give him a week but it's not a quick fix and something that a lot of athletes never have surgically repaired so it's either take care of it or learn to live with it. And I think learning to live with it is going to maybe, you know, if there's swelling involved that could get in the way, then maybe give them a week, but I expect to see him out there. Carolina heads to Atlanta for a battle for the AFC or NFC South. My choice for worst division in football right now. I'm going to, got to give someone over the Jags division. Um, Chubba Hubbard is out with an ankle, and he's doubtful for the moment, so that pretty much just leaves P.J. Walker for Carolina. He's going to be their whole roster. They also have their center, Pat Fline, out with season-ending hip surgery, and I have not seen a diagnosis for that, so I am going to be following that, and hopefully that'll be something that is a little out of the ordinary to report back on. Cordell Patterson should be back next week for Atlanta. I think they'll go one more week without him. And then they also have safety Jalen Hawkins, who was ruled out concussed. So that's what I keep seeing is ruled out concussed, not concussed. So I wonder how many times what means what in these scenarios. This is going to be the concussion debate episode, I guess. And it's just me. Arizona is traveling across the country up and away to Minnesota, where... Defensive tackle Rashard Lawrence is out for the Cardinals with shoulder surgery. I didn't really see a diagnosis there. I assume that's going to be a, not like a bone structure, it's going to be one of the rotator cuffs that kind of hold that shoulder joint in place. James Conner will most likely come back. He played... With He did not play in the game last week, but his ribs, you know, it's another week off for him. And then Minnesota has no new injuries. I like Minnesota in that game. I don't think Arizona's really that good, and Minnesota's been playing well. Pittsburgh is going, taking a really short trip across the state to Philadelphia, where Pat Fryermuth injured his ankle last week. He, he was limited in practice yesterday, but he should play today. T.J. Watt just entered the return-to-practice protocol, so they have 21 days to get him back out there. And I expect he's itching to get back out there, but it won't be this week. And Philadelphia is healthy. I got Philly by a lot. The Washington Commanders, who will be keeping up with their new quarterback, Taylor Heineke, will be traveling to Indianapolis to take on the new starting quarterback, Sam Ellinger, for the Indianapolis Colts. Chase Young also came back to practice. Um, he should be around next week in a couple weeks or so for the struggling commanders. Jahan Dotson will be out with a hamstring injury 
And then Shaq Leonard, who his injury report is funny. It says concussion, nose, back, kind of slash all of them just because of that gruesome hit. If you haven't seen it uh, and you have the stomach for it, it is wild that he is as okay as he is. He is off of the injury report, so he is good to go. And then Matt Ryan, who is being replaced by Sam Ellinger, is having shoulder surgery because he has a grade 2 shoulder separation. So remember that AC joint, the acromioclavicular joint, that is actually torn in him. And the grade 3 is when the coracoclavicular joint, which is a little bit more medial, is damaged as well. And that coracoclavicular joint is actually a little bit more important for stability. But the end of that, you know, the clavicle is so fragile that that whole thing holding that together is important. And he'll most likely be out for the season with that grade two sprain or a separation, not sprain. The Giants are going to Seattle where the player the Jaguars passed up on, Evan Neal is out with a grade 2 MCL sprain, similarly to what we discussed earlier. And then DK Metcalf is actually newly out of the game with a patellar tendon injury. It's not a tear. It's not a rupture. It might be a slight tear, but he is not needing surgery right now, they've determined. So he was at the walkthrough the other day but did not practice, which means he's involved in the game plan potentially. And... Uh, I guess he could play, but I think he would probably sit out. The patellar is a scary, scary thing to mess with, especially because he didn't finish the game last week. San Francisco is traveling south to the Rams, where Debo has not practiced this week with a hamstring injury, and Kyle Juchik is, I think I said that right, is out with a broken finger, and he had surgery on that. Kyron Williams for the Rams is still out, Daryl Henderson is out because he's sick. And Cam Akers has a personal matter. He's not been around the team for a while. So it could be Texas's running back from 2015, Malcolm Brown, who's been on the Rams for a long time but hasn't really been featured for a couple of years and spent last season with the Dolphins. So we will see if it's Malcolm Brown time or if Daryl Henderson can get back in time. Kyron Williams will not play, and I'm not sure about where... Cam Akers is. For Sunday night, we have Green Bay at Buffalo, where Alan Lazard is having a shoulder issue. Again, I couldn't really find what the deal was there. He was in a sling, so that leads me to believe there could be some collarbone to help with that stability, because if it's like the AC joint or something, as we've seen elsewhere, I don't think a sling would really help. It's more the movement that hurts, not the weight of the shoulder so that could be a collarbone Cobb is still out with his ankle and Rashawn Gary is out with a concussion so he got concussed in that game that was not pretty against the commanders last week Green Bay seems to be struggling right now and I think you know Aaron Rodgers is calling guys out on the Pat McAfee show this week just not a good scene and they're gonna have to go up against a Wagon of a team in the Bills who there no new injuries for them but on a sadder note Micah Hyde is from Fostoria, Ohio so that's about 40 minutes from where I'm from and he was someone that just because he was from the area he's a 
a good guy. Everybody always spoke highly of him and his time in Ford um, Buffalo. He was always spoken of as a high IQ player. He played hard. He made some great plays. He actually played for the Packers for a little bit. He's been around the league and finally found a home really in Buffalo. He had successful anterior cervical disectomy infusion, so an ACDF. And what they do there is they go in to the spine and the neck and they clean out one of the joints and then through some rods and stuff they kind of so there's a it's like a hernia is pretty much what he had and there's a little gel between the bones in the spine that act like a cushion so you go in there you take that all out fuse them together and they fuse over time by themselves so you don't actually have to do anything you just have to keep them in contact so that's what they'll have some rods and stuff in there that'll do that and he will be able to play with that next year he should be able to make a full recovery but it will most likely be his last year so the other joints above and below will have added stress to it and with that lack maybe a little bit lack of mobility there'll be you know that added stress especially on the neck for a football player and this is the last year of his deal next year so it's unfortunate um and i hope it's not the case but i think this is probably we're seeing the end of micah hyde just as we are with matt ryan cincinnati and cleveland play is a scary scary spooky halloween night game on Monday. Dave Njoku's out with an ankle ankle injury and left linebacker Jacob Phillips is out with a torn pectoral, so that's what TJ Watt was dealing with. It's that kind of thin fibrous band that goes from your chest up into your humerus to help with adduction. So he heard that and that's usually surgical. And then cornerback Denzel Ward is in concussion protocols. So, again, he's up in the air. Jamar Chase, just just before I started doing this, it was reported that he was out with a hip injury and that it might be severe. It says four to six weeks right now. And I'm trying to think what that could be. Maybe a hip flexor injury, a pretty severe one. I don't think a fracture. If it was a fracture, he'd be getting surgery. And... I guess we'll have to wait and see when more news comes out. But that's another one that I'll keep an eye on. Trey Henderson, the defensive end, hurt his neck, and he's questionable. And he's a big part of that team. They pass rush. So that could, you know, if they're out Henderson and Chase, as well as their linebacker Wilson, who is could be ready from a shoulder injury, but the, uh, Chamar, Chase and Trey Henderson both being out would really – help the Brownies even as beat up as they've been because they need something to get going. And that wraps up the NFL. The NBA, Damian Lillard, is out one to two weeks with a strained calf muscle. So that is most likely the gastronemius, not the soleus. So that's the outer one, the, the glory muscle, the two big bulges in the back, not the soleus, which is more the straight underneath the that kind of just hugs underneath the gastroc and that is bent when your legs are bent you flex that one so he probably going to jump and push off and hit there you know did it too much force at the wrong time and 
overstretched it or something. And then now finally our injured versus recovered. Injured, my prediction about the Thursday night game right now as it's looking. Tampa Bay just scored to go up 10-3 to on Baltimore who, you know, they are pretty beat up. Uh, I started. I picked up Gus Edwards in one league to start him because I saw that he was healthy, and he has one rush for negative one yards. So that's a good start for me in that respect. Another injured is the Miami Heat without Bam Adebayo right now. They are outscored by 42 points in their three losses, and Bam Adebayo has a plus 37. Uh, plus minus in that and then overall in the season bam is plus 64 right now before they play the warriors tonight so we'll see but i'm i was not a huge bam believer but right now if he's the only one willing to score uh you know jimmy seems to do this every year where he kind of takes a back seat and tell people ask him to score in the playoffs tyler hero is doing a good job early on but he's not much of a defensive presence and I think we're really just missing P.J. Tucker right now. Recovered the Rams. Literally had a laundry list of players coming back from the IR in the next couple weeks. So, including Van Jefferson, one of my favorite players. And we're going to, I you know, just in time, they're still holding on to the top of that division. And they'll be back with that veteran squad that just won the Super Bowl last year as we get into crunch time for the season. Injured, the Green Bay Packers, seemingly a player away again, and it doesn't look like they're going to make any moves. The trade deadline is November 1st, so that'll be Tuesday, and right now they're thinking about a couple receivers. The one that comes to the top of my head is Chase Claypool. The Steelers don't really have a whole lot. I think they would take a defensive player for him. Uh, my dad, who's a big-time cheesehead, suggested that the Packers give up any of their linebackers for him. But I don't think that the job will actually get done. Uh, I mean, it's weird because the Packers have just dominated that division so long. It's weird to think that they might just have a season with Aaron Rodgers at the helm where they don't perform. He has the second highest winning percentage since Patrick Mahomes started taking over in Kansas City. And the only other guy is Patrick Mahomes. So... This is a, a strange season for the Packers who, you know, I almost want to say are bad like the Jaguars. It seems like they're in the, you know, how many, how long can you defend them? They still have Aaron Rodgers, so they're liable to win every game, but it seems like they're more liable to lose any game than win any game right now. Recovered, Brian Kelly reminded everybody that he is a good football coach when they went or hosted Ole Miss and beat them pretty handedly after falling pretty early in the game. So while Kiffin or uh, Kelly won, Kiffin lost, and I think that he just is a little too cute. He has a lot of plays where he's trying to get guys in positions to make plays, but he's not letting them just make plays from their own. He's doing a lot of misdirection, and they I don't know if their line is very good because. In the game we went to, they had a hard time really establishing the run. They had a couple, you know, where they caught Auburn in a pickle. They blitzed or stunted into the right thing, and the running back got free into the second level. But they don't really 
just drop back and throw the ball, and they don't really just run the ball downhill. They have a lot of off tackle and or you know wide pitches, misdirection, and pretty much all of their tosses were off of play action. They didn't. I don't know if they had a single just drop back and throw, and if they did, it was more of a take two seconds and uh, hit a, a hitch. They did have one touchdown early in the game. They threw deep, but even that one was play action. So Then injured Arsenal defender Pablo Mari was stabbed in Italy today. I don't know the extent of it yet, and I will keep an eye on that one as well. So I have quite a list to keep track of for next week. And then injured conference champions. There's a lot of talk where there was a way that if Ole Miss was able to not win out but lose the right game, that Alabama, Ole Miss, Texas or Tennessee, and Georgia would all have one loss. And then they said that would that, that would be the perfect playoff, and that would not. I don't, you know, if they all beat each other, it's one thing. But like Ohio State and Michigan play at the end of the year. Consider that I would consider that a playoff game. I don't like when teams play each other and then they both make it in the playoff. I understand having a loss or two, but that is if you already lost, you, we don't need to see it again. That's it's a winner go home thing. I don't need to even if it was a great game. I personally don't want to see it again. If Clemson goes undefeated, which that's where I think Notre Dame gets one of their few remaining wins left, I think Notre Dame hops out and you know, just ruins Clemson's season. But if Clemson goes undefeated and they lose, win every other game by one point, I think they should still be allowed in the playoff. I know it's supposed to be the best four teams, but an undefeated conference champion, I feel, deserves to be in the playoff. And I think if you're in, you know, it, it's just openly disrespectful to the conference saying your undefeated conference champion, who also potentially, you know, in that circumstance, beat Notre Dame. And held on to a, probably the best ACC league right now that they've seen in a while with Syracuse and NC State stepping up. This is probably the best the ACC's been. And if they go on to win that and you replace them with a an Alabama team who has a loss, you know, Alabama is a good team, but they lost. And Tennessee, if they have a loss, same thing. I don't think either one should get in over an undefeated conference champion. You can put them four. But you can't leave them out. And I did, you know, okay, that's my thing. Oh, the other thing about that is I've heard already that there's, you know, on both sides, oh, you know, if Ohio State loses to Michigan, they should still get in. If Michigan loses to Ohio State, I don't think so. That's literally the week before. We just saw, you know, that you have a conference championship game to do it. But just, I think that this is just weird because this is the first time Ohio State is scared i have not seen in ohio you know they were nervous last year a little bit but they still you know there's still little brother michigan i think they know michigan's coming to throw a punch and if they don't get out of the way it's going to be a bad day for them so it is funny to hear those excuses but again i don't think that they should be they they should either one of them would replace an undefeated clemson either and then finally recovered the houston astros after being cheaters for so long, I think it you know they've proven it doesn't matter. They just win baseball games. So hitting a curveball is easier if you know it's coming, but it's still probably the hardest thing to do in sports. 
and I had a lot of talking about so a couple minor rants, and then my big theme was concussions today. I'll try to keep the rants kind of bottled up into one time or another, and that'll be all today. Hopefully the Ravens come back because I have a lot of Ravens in fantasy, and it doesn't look like they are. Anyhow, enjoy the rest of a great week of sports. Great time of year. Until next time.